good morning. If you could find 1 Corinthians chapter 14 in your Bibles, if you have your Bible, that would be very helpful. Um, and while you're doing that, just to, just to say, this series we're doing, People of the Spirit, I've really enjoyed these last couple of weeks. It's just felt good. It's felt, it's felt very, very, very right. And it may be a very short series, this is the last one today, but I think it's nevertheless highly significant for us as individuals, significant for us as a church, because really this is who we are. This is about who we are. This baptism of the Spirit is it's our heritage as a church, as individuals. Uh, it's, our, it's our story. It's our birthright as Christians. You know, without the baptism of the Spirit, there is no church. The church in the book of Acts, the, first, the early church, would never have got off the ground without the baptism of the Spirit. This church would never have got off the ground without the baptism of the Spirit. Um, and if you come on one of our Exploring Church membership mornings, 1st of March is the next one, um, you will hear a bit about the story of this church and how, how it came about, how it grew, and the vital role of the Holy Spirit, the baptism of the Spirit in the beginnings of the church, in the growth of the church, and in who we are now as King's Church High Wycombe. So this is really very significant for us. It's also significant for me personally because this is my story as well. This is my roots and I know it's the same for many people here, the baptism of the Spirit. So I was born again, it was a very definite moment for me, in 1994. And many of you know the significance of 1994, that there was this time of this outpouring of God's Spirit. Some people call it the Toronto Blessing, and others call it something else. But um, this outpouring of God's Spirit in the church all over the world, and here at King's as well, and people were being prayed for every week, falling over on the floor in the power of the Spirit, crying, laughing, prophetic words, healing, all sorts going on. It was, it was wonderful. And so for me, I'm a new Christian, uh, baptized in the Spirit, and I'm coming forward every week, getting filled with the Spirit, speaking in tongues. It was, kind of seemed quite easy. Um, it, was, it, it was wonderful. And actually, a marker for me of that time was an absolute certainty, an absolute assurance of God's love for me and that I was his adopted son. It absolutely, you know, not just in my head, I knew it in my spirit. And it says in Romans 8, doesn't it, the spirit will witness to our spirit that we are children of God. It was exactly that. I knew, I absolutely knew. It was wonderful. And, um, you know, I thought this is what church is always like. And I don't know why God sometimes does it like that, you know, pouring out his spirit in that way, and why other times it's not like that. It seems more difficult somehow. It seems more more of an effort, but I do know this is important. This is who we are. And this series has been a very good reminder of that, but it's also been a good challenge. You know, am I still seeking God in that way? Am I still asking him for his power in my life? Do I still live in that assurance that I am his adopted son? Do I still have that? You know, I've spoken in tongues more this week after last Sunday, because it was a good reminder for us. It was a provocation. It was a good challenge of the power of this gift, the wonder of this gift of tongues. Now, we're going to be praying again at the end of today's meeting for people to be filled with the Spirit, for people to uh, be released in the gifts of the Spirit. And I would just so encourage you, urge you to, to not hold back, to not miss out on that opportunity. Don't let don't let anything hold you back. You know, when that call comes, just, just come here. Just come up here and be prayed for. Don't let anything hold you back, whether you're new to the church or new to Christianity or you're someone who's been in the church for 40 plus years and you know what this is all about because you've been there, done it, you were there, you got the t-shirt and all the rest. You need to be filled again. We all need to be filled again. We've got this Holy Spirit evening on Wednesday. Be here. 
Don't, don't even make it a question mark. Just be here. There's nothing better that you could be doing on Wednesday night than coming here and getting into God's presence and soaking in his presence. There is nothing better that you could be doing. So be here. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. It's a command, so be ready when the opportunities present themselves. Now, my more immediate task today is to talk about the gift of prophecy, um, which is another of the gifts of the Spirit. So last week we talked about the gift of tongues, and today the gift of prophecy. So 1 Corinthians 14, verses 1 to 5, we read this last week, um, so here we go. Follow the way of love and eagerly desire spiritual gifts, especially the gift of prophecy. For anyone who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God. Indeed, no one understands him. He utters mysteries with his spirit, but everyone who prophesies speaks to men for their strengthening, encouragement, and comfort. He who speaks in the tongue edifies himself, but he who prophesies edifies the church. I would like every one of you to speak in tongues, but I'd rather have you prophesy. Now, as Neil said last week, this is not Paul having a downer on the gift of tongues. The gift of tongues is amazing. It's a wonderful gift, but he's emphasizing the role of prophecy, the, 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 how valuable prophecy is in the church here. So there are four uh, key questions I want to address today. What is prophecy? Um, Who can prophesy? How should we use the gift of prophecy? And what is the purpose of prophecy? So first, what is prophecy? Well, here's a definition that I read. The gift of prophecy is the special ability that God gives to members of the body of Christ, the church, to receive and communicate an immediate message of God to his gathered people, to a group among them, or to any one of his people individually through a divinely anointed utterance. Okay, Now, this divinely anointed utterance thing, that doesn't mean you go into a trance. It doesn't mean you speak in a different voice. That would be a cause of considerable concern for me if you did that. No, no, no. Basically, prophecy is speaking out God's now word, and that can have a future element to it. It can have a foretelling element, but often it doesn't. It's not about fortune-telling particularly. It's speaking God's now word to someone or to a group of people. And note a key difference in the passage between that and the gift of tongues. And as we heard last week and as we just read, the gift of tongues is directed towards God. It's always directed towards God. Prophecy is speaking to people. It's God's now word to his people. Now, something that's really important to be absolutely clear on right from the start is that prophecy is not equivalent to this. It's not equivalent in authority to Scripture. It must be subject to Scripture. Because prophecy is a particular word to a particular people or person at a particular time through a particular person. But Scripture is there for all Christians in all places at all times. This is God's word. This is our authority, and genuine prophecy will always complement Scripture. It won't add to it, and it certainly won't contradict it. This is the word of God. So, if somebody was to say to me, "Yes, John, um, yeah, I am, I am sleeping with my girlfriend," uh, but you know, I feel that God has spoken to me about that, and He says it's okay, and I feel a real sense of peace about that. I can very confidently say to you that is not the voice of God that you're hearing. It's not, because he will not contradict his scriptures. The Bible is like the banks of a river that contains, that provides a boundary for the flowing waters of prophecy. It keeps us on track. 
It stops the water just going everywhere and causing massive destruction. We want the Spirit to be poured out. This is what this is all about. Please, Lord, more. More of the Spirit. We want the Spirit to be poured out. We want prophecy to flow, but it does need to be bounded and directed by the Bible, by the Word of God. So, prophecy, God's now word, his immediate word for someone or for a group of people. But who can prophesy? Who has access to this gift? Well, I think all Christians can prophesy. I believe that all Christians have access to this gift. Eagerly desire the gift of prophecy is what Paul says. He says, I'd like every one of you to speak in tongues, but I'd rather have you prophesy. It says in Acts chapter 2 at Pentecost, and we read some of this last week again, Uh, Peter is addressing the crowd. They've just been baptized with the Holy Spirit. Amazing things. They're all speaking in tongues. And one of the things Peter says is this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your, Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. You know, prophecy was once, in the Old Testament, it was a special, particular anointing for a particular person at a particular time. But now, it's a mark of who we are. It's a mark of the age that we're in. We are in those, those last days that the prophet Joel talked about, because it's it, just as they were at Pentecost, because it's between the last days, and between the, uh, Jesus ascending to heaven and Jesus' return. We are in those last days, And so prophecy is part of who we are. The Spirit being poured out is part of who we are. We are people of the Spirit. It says the Spirit will be poured out on all people and they will prophesy. So all may prophesy. Every Christian may have access to this gift. Then you have some who tend to prophesy. So everybody, all Christians may prophesy, but there are some who tend to prophesy, who maybe have a greater degree, a greater measure of this gift, a greater sensitivity to hearing God speak, a greater boldness to to speak out God's word. And then you have the office of prophet, as mentioned in Ephesians 4, and they're different. So it's kind of like you've got these three categories. All may prophesy, some who tend to prophesy, and then the office of prophet, the, the ministry of a prophet. There is a difference between the gift of prophecy and the ministry of a prophet. So, for example, in Acts 21, you've got Paul staying with Philip and his four daughters, and it says these four daughters prophesied. They had a gift of prophecy. Then along comes a chap called Agabus, and he is acknowledged as a prophet, someone having the ministry of a prophet, and there is a difference. A couple of years ago, um, about 18 months ago, in fact, we had a guy called Julian Adams come to the church, midweek meeting during our prayer and fasting. Some of you may have been there. It was an amazing evening, a wonderful evening. He is a prophet. He has a ministry of prophecy. There is a weight, and you, you can just see it. And, and these guys, these prophets, they're a gift for the church. They're absolutely necessary. The churches need these prophets. It's in Ephesians 4. But that's not where I really want to focus today. I, I want to focus on this idea that all may prophesy. All of us, if you're a Christian, may prophesy. Because if you are a Christian, if you are born again, if you know that you have been born again, Well, then that means that you have been restored into a relationship with God. It's a relationship. Through uh, the sacrifice of Christ, through the work of the Holy Spirit, you are united with Christ. You have access to the throne room. The barrier of sin has been removed. Ephesians 2.18 tells us that through Jesus, we now have access to the Father. 
by the Spirit. Every Christian has access to the Father, therefore. Every Christian is in relationship with him and therefore can communicate with him. And communication is two-way. That means that as a Christian, you can hear God speak. And why wouldn't you hear God speak? If, if, it's, if it's true that he calls you his son, his daughter, that you are in relationship with him, why wouldn't you hear God speak? Now, I understand, of course, that can be a bit confusing for people. They sort of say, well, what do you mean, hear God speak? How does, how does that work? What does he sound like? You know, what do you mean when you say God says this, or I feel the Lord is saying that? What, what does God actually sound like? Because I don't hear him. Well, the fact is that very rarely do people hear God as an audible voice, like you're hearing me now, or through an angelic visitation, or something, something like that. Actually, usually God's voice is very gentle and very subtle, and it's very easy to miss if you're not listening and you're not tuned in. But it's all about relationship. Because with somebody you know very well, that you have a good relationship with, actually you can say an awful lot without words, without speaking, through looks and gestures and just a feeling that something's up. Or you, know, you, can, you can communicate an awful lot in that way. As you come into a closeness of relationship with God, as you really get to grips, and again, not just in your head, but really in your spirit, you get to grips with who God is and who he says you are. It's absolutely key that we get this then you will start to see how he communicates with you. You will start to hear God speak. But if it's not an audible voice, well then, what is it? How does God speak to us? Well, there are lots of ways that God speaks to different people. So very often he'll speak through, through this, through the Bible. This is God's word. He already has spoken. We have this. This is amazing. But you know, as you're reading this, there are times when you can be reading something, and it might even be something very familiar, and the Holy Spirit just illuminates something just causes something to come off the page at you, just brings a fresh revelation in something. It's his now word, if you're using his word that has already been spoken. So God speaks to us through the Bible. That's a very, very common way of God speaking. He speaks to us through dreams, through visions, through very often through putting a picture in your mind that has a particular meaning. God can speak to us through nature, things in nature. So Abraham, he said to Abraham, go and look at the stars in the sky. Now, he didn't need to use the stars to tell Abraham this. He could have done it, but he chose to do it that way. Go and look at the stars in the sky. Your descendants will be as numerous as those stars. That's how God chose to speak to Abraham. Sometimes it's just an impression. It's difficult to kind of define. It's just an impression. A thought drops into your mind seemingly randomly, or you just get a sense. You just, you just, you just get a feeling that God is trying to tell you something. He might be saying something to you. You just know. So he will speak to different people in different ways. But I guess the question is, do you ever spend time listening? Uh, do you ever give him the opportunity to speak when you pray or if you pray? Do you just talk or do you spend a bit of time saying, well, look, Lord, I'm here. If you've got anything to say to me? Or just in your everyday life, you know, I'm going to be open today to hearing God speak. You know, I'm not going to just ignore it, brush it aside if I feel... You know, do you ever spend time listening? Of course, we can do that and still hear nothing. We can spend time doing it and think, and, and so I'm not really getting anything at all. And of course, sometimes we hear him wrong. We get it wrong. 1 Corinthians 13 says, we see in part, we prophesy in part. We don't hear God perfectly because we're not perfect. Sometimes we might listen to the wrong voice. 
It might be our own voice, our own agenda, our own wishful thinking, fear, or sometimes even the voice of the enemy. But again, this is all about relationship. It's relationship. And the closer your relationship with God, the more you're able to discern and distinguish what is God's voice and what is something else. Uh, it's about relationship. This reminds me of um, about 15 years ago, um, I, I accompanied Bruce. Some of you will know Bruce Riley. He was here in the first meeting. He, for many years, he was a full-time elder here. Um, and about 15 years ago, I accompanied him as he went to preach at a church in Tring that we had links with at the time. So Bruce is there preaching in this church. He's not familiar with the church, um, doesn't know the people in the church. And he was preaching about redemption, and he was using an illustration of a courtroom, and the particular analogy that he was using was about being in the dock, right? And you can kind of see where that fits into redemption. Talking about being in the dock. And then he asked the congregation a question. This was his first mistake. He asked the congregation, has anyone here ever been in the dock? Hey, why would you ask that? <laughs> Especially in a church you don't know. Has anyone here ever been in the dock? And somebody in the front row put their hand up. This happened to be the pastor's wife. And then Bruce made his second and far bigger error because he said, oh, what was that for? <laughs> and I'm thinking, why are you asking that? And she, he, he really wasn't prepared for the answer that came back because she said, child abuse. <gasps> and I could see Bruce go a bit pale. He thinks, oh my goodness, I've just uncovered a case of child abuse. And it's the pastor's wife. What have I done? And he was flustered, and I think the next few minutes of his talk were, he wasn't really, he didn't really know what he was saying. Um, now, Bruce didn't know this lady. The rest of the congregation, of course, did. They had relationship with her, and so, of course, they knew that she was a social worker. <laughs> and when she said child abuse, she hadn't been prosecuted for child abuse. <laughs> she was prosecuting. And she did explain that to Bruce a bit later on, much to his relief, but the point is, he didn't know her. He didn't have that relationship with her. So he heard what she said, but he heard it wrong. He misinterpreted it. The rest of the congregation knew immediately what was going on. It's out of relationship that we hear God speak, out of a closeness of relationship, and not just hear him speak, but hear him write, interpret it correctly. Now, if we can all hear God speak, then we can hear him speak to us for others, as well as for ourselves, therefore we can all prophesy. Okay, we can all prophesy. And you know what? It is an amazing thing. It's a wonderful thing when you say something to somebody, you pray something over somebody that you don't feel has come from you, but you feel has come from God, and it hits the mark. It's an amazing thing. Wow, you know, you might be a, a scripture that God has revealed to you, an encouraging word, a picture that he's put in your mind that speaks directly into a situation that you might know nothing about and you see this has, said, this has hit the mark. It's an amazing thing. But you know, you will never encounter that feeling if you never try. And it is a step of faith. And sometimes we get it wrong. It is a step of faith. Do you know what? Yesterday we had a leader's day here. Somebody come speak to us about the supernatural, about prophecy, about healing, words of knowledge. And at the end, she encouraged people just to come up if they felt they had a word of knowledge about healing, to come up and share it. Not be afraid. We're in a safe place to come up and share it if they felt God gave them a word of knowledge about healing. So a lot of people came up and shared. 
Some of those words hit the mark, some didn't. That was okay. And then we prayed for those people for who, who were responding to that particular word. Some of them were not healed. Some of them were. Healing was going on in here yesterday. People were healed. Healing happened in here this morning, in fact. Somebody, a word of knowledge came about somebody with a pain here in their neck, and it was healed. And we're going to do that again today. But the point here is, it's not about the ones who weren't healed. It's not about the words that didn't quite hit the mark. That's not our responsibility. The point is, had nobody tried, no one would have got healed that morning. So it's about a step of faith, and I think we have a responsibility to stir this gift up. If we can all prophesy, we have a responsibility to stir that gift up. Paul says at the end of this chapter, be eager to prophesy. Be eager to prophesy. He says to Timothy, fan into flames the gift of God that is in you. And if you're a Christian, and I'd say particularly if you've been baptized with the Holy Spirit, then you have an authentic prophetic gift in you. It might be dormant at the moment, but it needs to be stoked up and spoken out. Okay? Stir up the gift. Now, of course, then we come to the question of how do we do that? How do we use the gift of prophecy? Because it can certainly be misused. It can certainly be abused. So I think of a friend of mine who I was on leadership training with in London. When he was engaged to be married... Um, somebody in their church, a lady in their church who claimed to have a prophetic anointing, went up to his fiancée and said, when you marry Chris, he will commit adultery. I mean, I don't think that's a word from the Lord. I think that's a word from the mouth of the enemy. Because that's a word that's only designed to sow fear, to sow doubt, even if they reject it, which I know they did, they said that, that's, not, <laughs> that's not the word of God for us. But you can imagine the seed of doubt that is just planted there in going into their marriage. That, that's, that's evil. That's, a mis, that's an abuse of what this lady thought was prophecy. Don't share something like that. It's wise to not share that. And even if you genuinely feel it's a, this is from God then submit it to somebody else. Somebody in leadership, somebody who has some wisdom, some maturity. Submit it to somebody else. Don't just go to somebody and share something like that. That's an abuse of the gift. It can be, very, it can be used manipulatively, prophecy. So possibly two of the most potentially manipulative words you can use are God says. Because where do you go from that? God says, God says, God says that you are going to go out with me and become my wife. I mean, it might be right, but it's potentially extremely manipulative and not wise necessarily to share something like that. Prophecy, like all the gifts of the Spirit, must be motivated first and foremost by love. This all comes back to love. It must be motivated by love, not by your own agenda, not by a desire to appear spiritual or anything else, but by love. Love for that person or for the people that you are prophesying to. Prophecy is given, as it says in the passage, it's given to people for their strengthening, for their comfort, for their encouragement. Uh, It's something that edifies the church. Prophecy is to build up, not to tear down. And that's a useful guideline to think about if you're thinking about delivering a prophetic word. Um, That doesn't exclude warnings, of course. Warnings can come prophetically, because ultimately a warning can have the intention of building somebody up. But is it motivated by love? Is it intended for strengthening? Is it intended for comfort and for encouragement? Is it in line with Scripture? Those are key questions. And if any of those are out of place, then don't, don't even think about sharing it. Don't share it. 
And, you know, we all go through that thing, don't we, of, is this really God, this thought? That's, is this God or is it me? Am I making this up or is it actually God speaking? Well, what do you do in that situation? Well, you can ask yourself questions. You can ask, well, what, what does Scripture say? Is this in line with Scripture? And if you're not sure, if you're not sure about anything to do with a, a word you feel you have from God, well, then seek the counsel of wiser, more mature believers. But another question you can ask yourself, if you feel you have something from God, is there a potential downside to sharing this? You know, if it's not actually from God, if it has come more from me and not from God, does it matter? Because if it's something encouraging, so if I, you know, for example, I believe the Lord is saying to you, he just wants to impress upon you how much he loves you, that you are his son, you are his daughter, you are a precious jewel in his sight. Something like that, yeah? Well, if that is prophetic, if it is genuinely God's word for that person now, well, it will hit the mark and it will make a huge impact on their life because it's God's word at the right time. If it's not, it's still true and it's still encouraging and it's not going to do any harm, so share it. Share a word like that because the key is you are seeking to hear God speak and you're stepping out in faith when you feel that he does and the more you do that, the more you learn to discern what is the voice of God. However, there are, of course, some things that you may feel God is saying that you need a lot more certainty about before sharing. You might need to sit on it again or speak to somebody else about it. You need more certainty because actually there is potentially a downside here if I share this and it's not right. It's not of God. It's about having wisdom, isn't it? You've just got to employ some wisdom in this. But whatever you do, make sure that any prophecy is done in love and in humility. You know, don't go in with God says or thus saith the Lord. No, I feel the Lord may be saying this might be wrong, but receive it if it seems good to you. You know, deliver prophecy in love and humility and always accepting that you might have got it wrong. And that's okay. We prophesy in part. We see in part. We're not perfect. But better to have a go. As long as it goes along those guidelines. So that's all about delivering prophetic words. But then how do we receive prophetic words? Well, the instruction of Scripture, if you read on in chapter 14, is that we should weigh. We should weigh any prophetic word given to us. Uh, We have to test it, it says in 1 Thessalonians 5, because it's given by an imperfect human being who can be misled. Of course, there should already have been a weighing process going on in the person delivering it. Is it in line with Scripture? Is this motivated by love? Is this strengthening, encouraging, and, and all the rest? But when you receive a prophetic word, you have to weigh it. Does this seem right to me? Does this resonate with me? Does this sit well with my spirit? Does this confirm maybe other things that people have said or that I've felt God saying to me? You know, even someone like Julian Adams, who has a prophetic ministry, he will always say, weigh this. If he prophesies it, he'll always say, weigh this, test it. Don't always get it right. Because we prophesy in part. We don't always get it right. Just because someone gives you a prophetic word doesn't mean you have to receive it. Inevitably, in any prophetic word probably, there will be an element of God and an element of human. Because he uses humans to deliver these words. When we have a prophetic word given publicly, as we had just this morning, given publicly through the microphone, there's a weighing that goes on in the congregation, which is very much in line with Scripture, because some of you will be thinking, that's a good word, but it doesn't, it's not for me, it doesn't really speak into me or my situation, and others in the congregation are thinking, wow, that's like God has just spoken directly to you. It's like I'm the only person in the room, and God is speaking to me, because that is exactly... And usually the person who's prophesying doesn't know that. They're just faithfully delivering what they feel God has given them. But there's a weighing that goes on, and there's a weighing that's already gone on, because there's somebody down here every week who will listen to a prophetic word before it's delivered. Why is that? Well, it's because some things are simply not appropriate to share. 
in this setting. You know, sometimes you get, you get people who don't have good motives for prophesying. Or if you come down here with a word, you know, you come and say, I've just had this vision and it's this plague of locusts and it's de- they're devouring the flesh of the congregation. And, ooh, and um, maybe, maybe think about that one a bit. Um, or, or you come with a word saying, I feel there is somebody here who needs to get there. The Lord is saying somebody here needs to get their affairs in order because you're going to die on Monday. Um, you're not going to get to share that. Okay? And don't share that. Don't share that ever with anyone, okay? Please, don't share a word like that. That's, again, I, I question whether that's from God. Okay, so, um, when you receive a prophetic word, you are to weigh it, right? And another thing, when you receive a prophetic word, particularly if it's a directional word, it's a kind of God's calling, that sort of thing, hold it lightly, now, that's a very Christianese, jargony thing to say, isn't it? Hold it lightly. What does that mean? What it means is don't treat it as gospel truth. I've already said, it do, prophecy doesn't have the same authority as scripture. You hold it lightly. If it seems good to you, this word, store it away. Write it down. Sit on it. Hold it. For, you know, but don't let it rule and dominate your whole life um, and define everything. Let me give a, personal, a couple of personal illustrations of this. When I was a very new Christian, um, 17 or 18, I was uh, down in Horsham, and a guy called Colin Urquhart, who some of you will know, um, he prayed over me, and he prophesied over me, and what he prophesied was about an anointing for teaching. And I could have heard that and thought, well, then I'm going to go to the church leaders, and I'm going to say, you better get me on preaching, because God said this. Well, I didn't do that, and actually, to be honest, I forgot about that prophetic word. I forgot about it. Until five years later when I started to get the opportunity to do some bits and pieces of teaching in the church, and, and there's a nervousness about that, because you sort of think, as a young guy, you know, is that, I feel, who am I to, to, to say these things, to teach, you know? And then I was reminded of that prophetic word, and it was a great confirmation to me, no, this is right, this is right. And I remember writing down in my journal, it's taken five years for that prophetic word to start to be fulfilled, because there is a journey before you get towards a destination, I didn't spend those five years agonizing about the fact that I wasn't teaching in the church. I just got on with life. Like I said, I forgot about it, actually. Or on our wedding day, uh, Richard had a very specific word for us. Uh, and it was about being called into full-time Christian leadership in the seventh year of our marriage. It was very specific. And uh, we held it lightly. I didn't spend my life then counting down the years and obsessing about being in, in full-time leadership and all the rest. But it just happens that when I was asked to come on board here as the youth pastor, it was in the seventh year of our marriage. And that served as a really good confirmation for me as I was reminded of that prophetic word in what was quite a difficult decision because I was really enjoying teaching at the time in primary schools. By the way, had it not happened in that way, I wouldn't have thought any less of Richard. I wouldn't have thought this guy is a false prophet. <laughs> you know, because actually what I, appre- I appreciate his boldness and the risk he took in speaking out a word like that and it happened actually to be right. It was right. But even, even if it hadn't been, I thought, well, that's okay. He got that bit wrong because we prophesy in part. We're not perfect. We don't always hear God perfectly. Now, you may have received a prophetic word in the past to do with God's calling. Maybe God's calling you into a particular ministry or to a particular nation, that sort of thing. You may have had a word like that in the past and you may have thought, well, you know, what, what, what's happened to that? I, I've kind of lost sight of that. The thing is, when you get a word like that, it doesn't mean it's going to happen immediately. Like I said, there is a journey before you get to the destination. 
It doesn't mean you put your life on hold. You can do things to repair if you really feel this is from God. But you don't put your life on hold and and just everything stops until this happens. But here's the thing. It doesn't even mean it's going to happen at all. Because it might have been wrong. So you hold it lightly. You store it away. This seems good to me, but I'm going to, let it, I'm going to, I'm going to sit on it. Let it serve as a good confirmation. Maybe you receive some other words that are, that, that are also in the same vein. You think, okay, this is starting to form a picture. Or events unfold in the future, and you think, ah, yes, I can see now. I can see that, that is, this is God. Hold them lightly. Weigh them. Finally, what is the purpose of prophecy? Well, Some of that's already become evident as I've been speaking. It is given for strengthening, for encouraging, for comfort, for building up of people and of the church. You know, this church and the vision of this church has been shaped over the years by some very key prophetic words, which I don't have time to to talk about now, but key prophetic words have shaped who we are as a people, has shaped the vision of the church. Prophecy is so valuable. Prophecy can unlock situations. It just, it's the key. It unlocks the door here. It can uh, give a, a confirmation of something for us. It can help praying for somebody. It can, it can give us things to pray for. So prophetic words we've received for our children. You know, these are things I pray into regularly. It can be a sign for unbelievers is what it says in here. It's a sign for unbelievers that when they see prophecy going on, actually it's a sign that God is among us. When you see somebody bring a word of knowledge about pain in the neck, somebody comes forward and their neck is healed, that's a sign for unbelievers. Overall, though, prophecy helps us to see as God sees. This is the thing. It helps us to see something as God sees it, to see from his perspective and not be limited by my own perspective. So 2 Peter 3.8 says, With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years is like a day. I, I may pray about my day. I see my day. But he looks at me, and he sees all of me. I mean, that's an amazing, mind-blowing thought, isn't it? He sees all of me. Past, present, and future. I, I see a situation. I see a barrier but he sees the whole thing. He sees the big picture. He sees it all. He sees beyond the circumstances, and he sees what you will become and what you are becoming. Prophecy is about seeing as God sees, seeing what God sees from his perspective. And when you receive a prophetic word that brings encouragement or strength or comfort or, or anything like that, it's like God saying to you, I see you. I see you. Even you, I see you. And I see all of you. So don't be afraid. Don't be fearful. Don't be anxious. I know the plans I have for you. Trust me. I see you. Let me just finish with this illustration. In 2 Kings chapter 6, the king of Aram has sent his army to capture Elisha the prophet. Because Elisha is proving rather troublesome for him, revealing all his plans to the king of Israel supernaturally. So he sends this whole army to capture this one guy. And it says, when the servant of the man of God, so Elisha's servant, when he got up and went out early the next morning, an army with horses and chariots had surrounded the city. Oh my Lord, what shall we do? The servant asked. Don't be afraid, the prophet answered. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And Elisha prayed, oh Lord, open his eyes so that he may see. And then the Lord opened the servant's eyes and he looked And he saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. What an amazing vision. He said, those who are with us are greater than those 
who are with them. He who is for you, he who is with you, is far greater than he who is against you. He is far greater, far bigger than any situation, than any circumstance that can possibly come against you. It says the Lord opened the servant's eyes in this terrifying and seemingly impossible situation, and he sees what God sees. He sees, how, he sees the reality of the situation. He sees these horses and chariots of fire. What an amazing sight surrounding this army. This army is threatening us, but look around them. We're covered. God has got our back. He is on our side. He is with us. I see as God sees. Lord, open our eyes. Open our eyes to see as you see. If we could, if we could just see more as God sees, it would change how we live. We would live our lives very differently, I think. We need our eyes to be opened to see God's perspective. Now, what an amazing thing that God can use you, even you, through a simple act of obedience, through a step of faith, he can use you to bring his sight into somebody's life, into somebody's situation, his strength, his encouragement. You can help somebody to see a situation as God sees it. That's an amazing privilege. What a wonderful gift. Every gift that God gives us is good, but this gift of prophecy, what a wonderful gift. So stir it up. Fan into flames the gift of God in you. We are people of the Spirit. We are a community of the Spirit. Follow the way of love and eagerly desire spiritual gifts, especially the gift of prophecy.